This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today I would like to talk about one of my favorite saxophone players. His name is Cannibal Adderley. His real name is Julian Adderley. His nickname was Cannibal because he had a voracious appetite and that was shortened to Cannonball. So it's not because he was in shape of a cannonball, but because he was a voracious eater. He was from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, when he was in his early 20s, he was a high school band director at Dillard High School in Fort Lauderdale. He spent some time in the Army, and upon his release in 1953, played for about a year with um, Lionel Hampton's orchestra. He was planning to go back to being a band director when he and his younger brother decided in 1955 they were going to take a trip to New York City. And this very fateful trip really changed his life. By January of 1955, he was a full-time musician in New York City. But to understand Cannonball's playing, you need to listen to his influences. And in interviews, he said that, you know, of course, the usual suspects, meaning Lester Young and Coleman Hawkins, were influences on him. But Cannonball played the alto saxophone. So you have to look at some very important alto players from the 1930s. And, of course, there's Johnny Hodges and a lesser known but very influential saxophone player by the name of Benny Carter. This recording we're going to listen to right now is from about 1938. This is the Benny Carter Orchestra. The name of the song is New Swing Street. Benny was a great alto player. He also played trumpet, and he was a very, very fine arranger and composer. He had a very uh, unique style of playing the saxophone, and his eighth notes are rather even, and he's got this real nice bounce, and the sound is nice and round. So listen to this, and then when we listen to Cannonball, you'll hear some similarities. The other very important influence on Cannibal, of course, was Johnny Hodges. Let's listen to a uh, mid-1960s recording of the Duke Ellington Orchestra with Johnny Hodges playing this beautiful ballad, Blood Count. But pay particular attention to Hodges' sound and his vibrato because you hear a lot of that in Cannibal's playing. So Cannonball has, you know, very strong influences, but he has his own unique sound. 
One of the things that he resented, I, I guess, early in his career was being compared to Charlie Parker. You know, Parker had died in 1955. Critics and record company executives and other musicians were looking for the new bird, the new Charlie Parker. The same thing happened with Sonny Stitt in the 1940s, always being compared to Charlie Parker. And, you know, Sonny Stitt had his own approach to playing. And Cannonball certainly does come out of a combination of all these alto players, you know, with Charlie Parker. Of course, the harmonic and melodic sensibility come out of Parker. But the sound is a combination of some other very important players. In 1955, he and his brother traveled to New York in the summer. They wanted to check out the scene. And word in New York was that there were two very fine players in South Florida, especially an alto player. This is before the internet and blogs and things like this. But word was out that there was a terrific player down there. And he came to New York City and went to the Cafe Bohemia. And he was asked to sit in with the Oscar Pettiford group. It was a very fine group. And he went and he bought his alto saxophone and was asked to sit and he played and apparently people were just dumbfounded they just had never heard anybody play with this beautiful sound great ideas and this just this kind of ebullient very extroverted kind of a happy sound with a great rhythmic bounce and this beautiful round sound he was immediately asked to do a series of record dates in 1955. In fact, some of those records, there's been a re-release, it's called The Summer of 55. And these are the first real recordings we have of Cannonball and his brother, his younger brother, Nat, who was a fine cornet player. We're going to listen to a track called Still Talking to You from 1955, one of Cannonball's first record dates. very strong flavor of the blues in uh, Cannonball's playing. It really permeates his entire career. In fact, in the late 50s, you know, he was one of the um, pioneers of a style of hard bop that was called soul jazz or funky jazz. So there's a real strong sensibility of gospel music and the energy that that kind of music engenders and, and real strong sensibility of the blues. That's from one of his first recordings. He and his brother played together very often in the 50s. In fact, it was called the Adderley Brothers Group, sometimes the Cannonball Adderley Quintet featuring Nat. 1957, Cannonball and his brother were playing in New York City. You know, they had moved to New York City permanently, and he was probably the premier alto saxophonist on the scene in those days. He was signed to do some records on the MRC label, and we have some great recordings from this period. The first one I'd like to play is a song called Tribute to Brownie, 1957, Cannonball Latterly.
Hannibal is playing is easy to identify. He plays very low notes and he'll reach up into the very high altissimo register of the saxophone, not like the funk players or R&B players of today, but he plays beautifully in the high register and also this beautiful deep sound in the low register. And he, he moves around the, the range of the horn so effortlessly um, with great sense of time. And there's this, what I call this great bounce to his playing that it's hard to imitate. He's really the role model for many alto players post-1955, especially in terms of sound. Um, another recording from this period is a great ballad recorded by just about every great jazz player from the 30s and 40s and the 50s, and this is Lover Man from 1957, Cannibal Latterly. Nineteen fifty-seven and fifty-eight um, were great years for Cannibal. He was making a lot of recordings from the same series of sessions. He recorded "The Way You Look Tonight" in nineteen fifty-seven, which is a great Jerome Kern song. Cannibal had great technique. He could play. Obviously, the pieces we've listened to so far have been kind of medium tempo, but he had great technique. He could play at the fastest tempos, much like Charlie Parker, and play with absolute ease. One of the differences between you know Parker and and Cannibal was, of course, recording technology. You know, uh, Parker died in 1955, but a lot of his recordings from the late 40s and the early 50s there, the technology didn't really capture the essence of the sound the way that technology captures the essence and the core to Cannibal sound. So that's a great tragedy that Parker didn't record uh, much of his great stuff with that technology. Here's The Way You Look Tonight, 1957. same year, Cannonball recorded a, an old bebop tune called We Dot, 
one of the things about Cannonball throughout his career, he um, released a lot of live recordings. So there are many different versions of the songs he is best known for, and this is a live version. Another thing that's really interesting about Cannonball is that you know he was a teacher, he was a band director, he was a very eloquent speaker. So on a lot of the live recordings, he would give these wonderful introductions. In fact, in 1962, he released a record on Riverside, which is a children's guide to jazz. It's very difficult to find, but it's fantastic. He uses such colorful adjectives way described the music let's conclude today's session with a 1957 live recording of we dot from the newport jazz festival cannibal latterly quintet This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, The Voice of the Arts in Atlanta, Georgia. 